Well, good morning, everyone, and welcome to our morning service here at Long Crendon Baptist Church. It's lovely to see you all in the building, and a welcome to you if you're watching on at home as well. Uh, A particularly warm welcome if you're here for the first time or if you're visiting. It's great to have you with us. Uh, Do make sure you hang around after the service. We've got tea and coffee in the back hall. Please introduce yourselves. We'd love to get to know you a little bit more. Now, this morning, we're going to be continuing our series in real change. Um, Neil is going to be preaching a little bit later on from the book of Jeremiah. As we think about how God uses the situations and circumstances we find ourselves in, to enable us to change. So we really look forward to that. But to start our time together this morning, we're going to start by praising God together. One of my favorite things about all being back together in person in the building is to be able to sing together. It's wonderful, isn't it? There's something great about joining together as one body to sing the praises of our wonderful Heavenly Father. And there really is so much we can praise Him for and give thanks for. But but often we look at our own circumstances, our own situations. We get so focused on what's going on in our own lives that we forget to take a step back. To take a step back and see who God really is and to remind ourselves of what he's done for us. So as we start this morning, I don't know how your week's been. I don't know how things have been going. But let's take a bit of a moment as we look at Psalm 145 to remind ourselves of just some of the amazing things that God has done for us and who he is. So let me read Psalm 145. I will exalt you, my God, the King. I will praise your name forever and ever. Every day I will praise you and extol your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. His greatness no one can fathom. One generation commends your works to another. They tell of your mighty acts. They speak of the glorious splendor of your majesty. And I will meditate on your wonderful works. They tell of the power of your awesome works. And I will proclaim your great deeds. They celebrate your abundant goodness and joyfully sing of your righteousness. The Lord is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and rich in love. The Lord is good to all. He has compassion on all that he has made. All your works praise you, Lord. Your faithful people exalt you. They tell of the glory of your kingdom and speak of your might so that all people may know of your mighty acts and of the glorious splendor of your kingdom. Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and your dominion endures through all generations. The Lord is trustworthy in all he promises and faithful in all that he does. The Lord upholds all who fall and lifts up all who are bowed down. The eyes of all look to you and you give them their food at the proper time. You open your hand and satisfy the desires of every living thing. The Lord is righteous in all his ways and faithful in all that he does. The Lord is near to all who call on him, to all who call on him in truth. He fulfills the desires of those who fear him. He he hears their cry and saves them. The Lord watches over all who love him, but all the wicked he will destroy. My mouth will speak in praise of the Lord. Let every creature praise his holy name forever and ever. A wonderful word. Aren't there so many things in there? Let's join together and pray as we start our time together. 
Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for who you are. That you are great and you are so, so worthy of all of our praise. Thank you that you are loving, trustworthy, faithful, gracious, compassionate, and powerful. Lord, the list could go on and on. Thank you that we can gather here this morning to hear from your words and to praise you together. Help us to fix our eyes upon you, to be reminded of who you are and of the many things that you've done. The greatest of which was sending your one and only son to die to save us. Thank you that no matter what we're going through, we can always praise you. The fact that you fixed our biggest problem through Jesus. We thank you so much. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, we're about to head out to our S Club groups now. But before we do, let me pray and ask for God's help as we do. Um, Heavenly Father, thank you so much for that wonderful Sam. Lord, thank you that you are always with us. Even when we feel alone, even when things are hard, we can know that you are always with us as our shepherd, guiding us and helping us along. I pray that as we head out to our S Club groups now, you'll help us think about that more and really apply it to our lives. Be with us now, in Jesus' name. Amen. But now I'm going to invite uh, John Bella to come up and lead us uh, in some prayers. Let us pray. Our gracious God and loving Heavenly Father, we thank you for the enormous privilege of coming into your presence in prayer. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. We come in the worthy and precious name of the Lord Jesus and because of his finished work on the cross at Calvary. We come and we pray humbly, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. We thank you that in Christ and through his atoning death there is forgiveness and new life and peace in him. We thank you that we can pray for one another. We thank you for the, the video that we've just been watching and for the work of Challenge Ministries. We thank you for the work of Nespotini and for the lovely answer to prayer there that we've seen in the provision of water. We pray for strength and encouragement for Pastor Thwala and all the other ICBC pastors who are finding it very tough at the moment due to COVID. Lord, watch over them, protect them, meet their needs, we pray. We pray for all the new ICBC initiatives and for safety as the teams plough the land in preparation for the building of churches and pastors' houses. We pray too for enthusiasm and commitment for the local communities around the ICBC sites to get involved with the sustainability initiatives that are being introduced. Lord, bless this great work, we pray. Grant that many will be one for Christ and built up in the faith and bring glory to your name through this work. Lord, we pray your blessing upon us and the work of LCBC in these days. And for all your goodness to us, thank you for the joys of being together to sing your praise and to worship you and to fellowship together. We pray, Lord, for the church away day next Saturday. That will be a great time of fellowship together. We pray for Andrew Chard as he brings the ministry of the word 
that you grant the help of your Holy Spirit, that his words will be your words that will be the means of blessing and challenge and encouragement to many. We give you thanks, gracious God, for the first Adventurers Club that started on Friday last. Thank you for the youngsters who were there. We ask your blessing upon them. Indeed, we pray for all our children and young people that they will early put their trust in the Lord Jesus and come to know him as Saviour and grow in grace and the knowledge of the Saviour day by day. We pray, gracious God, for young people starting work and for those who will be students starting at university or college or in training. We ask your blessing upon them. We pray you provide them with good Christian friends. You make them feel secure and protected and blessed they will grow closer to you through this time. We thank you, Lord, for our pastors and elders and workers here. We pray for Neil as he preaches the word this morning from Jeremiah and as we're challenged to be more like the Lord Jesus, grant real change in our hearts and lives that we might glorify you. We thank you, Lord, for the opportunity this evening to meet again for evening worship We pray for Simon as he leads us in praise and worship together. We pray for one another. Lord, you know the needs of each one of us. We pray for the sad and sorrowing. Grant comfort, we pray. We pray for the sick and suffering. Grant help and grace to cope, we pray. We pray for those with varying needs and difficulties. Draw near Deal graciously with such, we pray. We pray for one another. Lord, we need you. We can't go it alone. We ask that you draw near to us, that we might walk with you and bring glory to your name. We acknowledge that we live in uncertain days for all sorts of reasons, for the COVID virus, which is still a cause of many problems, but for other pressures and problems too, for the state of our nation, for the decline in spiritual things, for the rejection of your word. Lord, have mercy upon us. We would pray, gracious God, revive your work in these days. Save the lost, build the church, glorify your name, and keep our sight set, looking unto Jesus until that great day when he comes again to take us home to heaven and we shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Hear our prayers for Jesus' sake. Amen. The reading today comes from Jeremiah 17, verses 5 to 14. This is what the Lord says. Cursed is the one who trusts in man, who draws strength from mere flesh, and whose heart turns away from the Lord. That person will be like a bush in the wastelands. They will not see prosperity when it comes. They will dwell in the parched places of the desert, in a salt land where no one lives. But blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. They will be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream. It does not fear when heat comes. Its leaves are always green. It has no worries in a year of drought and never fails to bear fruit. The heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? 
I, the Lord, search the heart and examine the mind to reward each person according to their conduct, according to what their deeds deserve. Like a partridge that hatches eggs it did not lay, are those who gain riches by unjust means. When their lives are half gone, their riches will desert them, and in the end they will prove to be fools. A glorious throne exalted from the beginning is the place of our sanctuary. Lord, you are the hope of Israel. All who forsake you will be put to shame. Those who turn away from you will be written in the dust, because they have forsaken the Lord, the spring of living water. Heal me, Lord, and I shall be healed. Save me, and I shall be saved. For you are the one I praise. Thanks very much, Sharon. Let's uh, pray as we come to God's word. Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Amen. Well, at a course I attended um, last week, one of the questions that was asked was, what do you think makes a good person? Answers that came back were someone who's, who's kind, who's unselfish, who puts all the needs of others before themselves. In case you're wondering what the course was, it was a, a driver awareness course. Um, the ironic thing was that the reason we were all there was because we obviously weren't good people. We hadn't put the needs of others before ourselves on the roads or showed sufficient awareness of other drivers. Some of the different reasons given in that course for why we fail on the roads were anger, stress, and tiredness. If we're dealing with those things in our lives, then it will show itself in the way we drive. If we're stressed because we're late for an appointment, then we will be more tempted to drive faster than we should. If we're tired, we're more likely to have a lapse of concentration. Uh, that will cause us to drive dangerously. If we've got an anger problem and someone cuts us up or, or tailgates us, uh, then we're more likely to respond in an aggressive way, which puts other drivers at risk. Another way of describing the challenging circumstances that we may be experiencing in our lives is the heat. The heat, as we described last week, can be seen in this diagram. First, the situations we all face that put us under pressure. This could be struggles such as a, a challenging relationship, it could be physical health, it could be work problems, disappointments, unwelcome news, or just being treated badly. They could also be good things such as a new relationship, good health, career success, moving to a new home, getting married, things that can put us under pressure by making God seem unnecessary or irrelevant. The heat will always be with us in this life. The question is, how do we respond to the heat? How do we respond to those situations? And more importantly, how do we grow through those situations? Well, last week in the first of this series on real change, we looked at the question, why do we need to change? Um, we looked at the fact that um, God has created us in his image to reflect his glory. Look at how we've broken that image by going our own way and trusting ourselves. 
how Jesus came to restore the broken image of God in us. And how God is continuing to change us into the likeness of Jesus with ever-increasing glory. Well, this week we're looking at how God helps us grow and change into the likeness of Jesus through our circumstances, through our heat. As it says in Romans 8, we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. Now, when that passage is quoted, it often stops after the first bit and leaves us wondering, how can possibly God use this situation in my life for any good? Because we've quite often come up with our own understanding of what good is. But for God, what good is, what is best for us, is, as it carries on to say, to be conformed to the image of his son, to become more like Jesus. And whether we grow in the image of Jesus or not depends on how we respond to those things that happen to us. There are two different ways in which we can respond, which are picked up in a passage in Jeremiah that Aaron read for us. And those two different ways of responding are represented by two trees. So let's look at the first of those. The one who trusts a man will be like a bush in the wastelands. Verse 5, it says, Cursed is the one who trusts in man, who draws strength from mere flesh, and whose heart turns away from the Lord. That person will be like a bush in the wastelands. They will not see prosperity when it comes. They will dwell in the parched places of the desert, in a salt land where no one lives. Humankind's biggest problem is that it trusts in itself. People think that humankind is is basically good and we can make it better through better education, better welfare programs, technology, medicine. That we can control crime through more bobbies on the beat, more prisons. The trouble is we can't change our desire. And our natural desire is to put ourselves first. As I said earlier, people recognize that a good person is someone who puts others first, but we all fail to do that. All the things we do and say are influenced by how will it affect me? If I do go on that church away day, will I have a good time? If I take that job, will I be fulfilled? If I go out with that boy or that girl, will I be be happy. If I help that person in need, will people think of me better? And the reason our hearts are sinful, that we've turned away from the Lord, is because our first parents, Adam and Eve, turned away from the Lord and trusted, instead of trusting um, in him, they trusted in themselves. And from that one first sin have come all the rest of the sins of the human heart. Humankind is in a situation what we call total depravity, which doesn't mean we're as bad as we can be. It means that every part of us is in some way or another affected by, by sin. If that's the case and people can't see it, then well, how do people live with it? There are different coping mechanisms people use. They pretend to be good people, as we looked at already, but sooner or later something will cause that, that mask to slip an inappropriate remark that reveals their true character. They make scapegoats. They look for people who uh, have fallen and compare themselves with them and say, well, at least I'm not as 
as bad as they are. Look at Prince Andrew. I'd never be anything like that. Or they think they are better than they really are. In that driver awareness course, everyone was asked to, to rank their driving ability from, from one to ten, and with five being the average. And apparently every time this course is done, everybody goes for seven or eight. Now logically that can't be possible, can it? If five is the average. But morally it's the same. People think they are better than they really are. Or finally they blame their circumstances, maybe their upbringing, some injustice that they have experienced and that victim mentality leads to self-pity or revenge. But as Tim Chester writes, only when we understand the role of our hearts can we truly understand the role of our circumstances in sin. Our struggles and temptations often trigger sin, but they never cause it. We choose how we respond to circumstances and what determines our choices are the thinking and desires of our hearts. If you look at verse 9, um, they're in that passage in Jeremiah. And look what it says there. It gives a pretty damning diagnosis of the state of the human heart. It says, the heart is deceitful above all things. And also a pretty hopeless prognosis and beyond cure. And what that means is we can try and live morally good lives... We can make our external behavior acceptable, but ultimately we will fail um, because we are corrupt in our inner beings. How we feel, how we speak, how we behave all comes from from within us. As Jesus said in Mark chapter 7, he said, what comes out of a person is what defiles them. For it is from within, out of a person's heart, that evil thoughts come. Sexual immorality, theft, murder, Adultery, greed, malice, deceit, lewdness, envy, slander, arrogance, and folly. All these evils come from inside and defile a person. That's a pretty long list, isn't it? The heart is deceitful. What's worrying is that straight after that verse that says the heart is deceitful comes verse 10, which says, I, the Lord, search the heart and examine the mind. To reward a man according to his conduct, according to what his deeds deserve. However much we may, however much we may be able to deceive others, we have a just God, an all-knowing God, an all-wise God who cannot be deceived. He knows the heart. And the consequence, therefore, for the person who trusts in themselves is not pleasant, as it says in, in verse six there. That person will be like a bush in the wastelands, They will not see prosperity when it comes. They will dwell in the parched places of the desert, in a salt land where no one lives. That way lives the spiritual poverty and isolation. But in the midst of the despair that the heart is deceitful and beyond cure, comes the hope, comes the good news. And that is found in the next tree. Because the one who trusts in the Lord is like a tree planted by the water. Up to now, historically here, Jeremiah the prophet has been bringing the word of the Lord to the people of Judah at the end of the 7th century BC, warning them about what will happen if they continue to to disobey God and trust themselves. Then in verse 14, um, 
Jeremiah calls out with surprising confession. Here he says, heal me, O Lord, and I shall be healed. Save me, and I shall be saved. This is the prophet of the law, but he's acknowledging his own sin, his own lack of trust in the Lord. And if sin is turning away from the Lord and trusting in ourselves, repentance is turning to the Lord and trusting in him. Remember the verse we looked at last weekend, 2 Corinthians 3. Whenever anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. The veil that blinds us to our sin prevents us from seeing the glory of God in the face of Christ. That veil is taken away and we can see God in his glory. The first act of repentance is to recognize that we cannot heal ourselves. And we need to ask God to heal us. And that's the great news, uh, that the Lord does not just search the heart, he also heals it. He cures the incurable. God has enabled humankind to find cures for all sorts of diseases uh, down the years. hundred years ago, the life expectancy rate for, for men was um, <clears throat> under 50. So many of us here wouldn't be around uh, anymore. There been great discoveries in medicine. Um, God has enabled people to find a vaccine against COVID. Praise the Lord for that. But they're all about making the body well. They do not help to cure our souls. The Lord is the only one who can do that. And the way in which the Lord heals the heart is by first making us see, opening our eyes to see that it is deceitful. That mankind cannot find a solution to its problem. Society will not get better and better without a spiritual transformation. I remember reading an article in the Times a few years ago by uh, Matthew Paris, confirmed atheist, who said this about the situation in Africa. He said, now a confirmed atheist, I've become convinced of the enormous contribution that Christian evangelism makes in Africa. Sharply distinct from the work of secular NGOs, government projects, and international aid efforts, these alone will not do. Education and training alone will not do. In Africa, Christianity changes people's hearts. It brings a spiritual transformation. The rebirth is real. The change is good. And that's from an atheist. Christianity changes people's hearts. Last week we saw the need to turn to the Lord and see his glory in order to change. Here we see the need, having turned to the Lord and been healed, what it means to put our trust in him. Blessed is the one, it says, who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. They will be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream. It does not fear when heat comes. Its leaves are always green. It has no worries in the year of drought and never fails to bear fruit. The one who trusts in man has very limited resources and once they've dried up, there's uh, nothing left to keep him going. The one on the other hand who trusts in the Lord has limitless supplies of strength because God is infinite and he is gracious. So now if we are trusting in God, the fact that he knows our hearts is a positive thing. 
God understands what it's like to live in a, a messed up world. After all, he came into our world. He knows what it's like to be hungry and thirsty and tired and stressed and in that vulnerable situation to be tempted. He knows what it's like to be rejected. He knows what it's like to be lonely. Hebrews 4 says, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to feel sympathy for our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are. Yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. He understands our situation. And as we heard earlier with the children, he is with us in our situation. As it says in Isaiah 43, do not fear, for I've redeemed you. I've summoned you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. But not only does God understand my heart, my situation, God also enables me to grow in response to my situation. Both trees experience heat, but as we read, it has a very different effect on them. The bush in the wasteland will become parched and die. The tree planted by the water will produce green leaves and fruit. Look at that, verse 8 again. It does not fear when heat comes. Its leaves are always green. It has no worries in a year of drought and never fails to bear fruit. As I said already, we can't do anything about the heat in our lives. It will come in some form or another. But we can prepare ourselves for it. And the way we do that is by ensuring we are planted by the water. What does that mean? Well, it means to trust in the Lord, who's described in verse 13 as a spring of living water. You may remember Jesus' words as well. Um, in John 7, he gave an invitation. He said, let anyone who's thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. By this, it says he meant the spirit whom those who believed in him were later to receive. If we're trusting in the Lord, we are trusting and relying on the strength the Spirit gives us to grow in response to our situations. All that means is we don't need to be afraid. Now, we don't need to, to worry because God will give us the strength to cope with those different situations. And as he does so, we will grow in our likeness to Jesus. We'll grow in the fruit of the Spirit. We'll grow in our faith in Jesus. We'll grow in our likeness to him. And we will reflect the glory of God more. And that then changes the way we look at the heat. Instead of doing everything we can to avoid it, which is our natural response, if we're honest, we will embrace it as being sent from God. We'll even be able to rejoice in our trials, as it says in the letter of 1 Peter, these have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory and honour when Jesus Christ is revealed. So what are then some of the things that we do worry about, that we're afraid of? And what difference does trusting in God make? 
the future. Okay, we all worry about the future, don't we? Um, different ways. Maybe if you're at school, you may be worrying about um, how well you're doing your exams. Um, whether you'll get a job after you leave school, if you'll get to, to university. If you trust in yourself, you will be full of stress, um, and you'll end up either feeling full of pride because you did do well or, or full of despair because you, you didn't. If you trust in the Lord, you'll still try hard. But you know, whatever the outcome, you're still loved by God. He's still there with you. He will provide the right opportunity for you at the right time. But if you're just afraid of getting ill, quite relevant to over this last couple of years, not just COVID, but all sorts of other illnesses that we could get. If you, if you trust in yourself, you, you'll be reading up about every symptom of every illness you might get. You may go through life trying to protect yourself from everything that might affect your health, but it's impossible to do, isn't it? And you just end up becoming a hypochondriac. If we trust in God, we can still do what we can to lead a healthy life. We can take sensible precautions. We can be vaccinated. But we trust that God is in control. And we can know his peace in our hearts. We don't need to worry. What about decisions? All sorts of decisions we have to make in life. Some bigger decisions, some smaller decisions. But fill us with stress, don't they? And if you trust in yourself, that becomes even worse. Because if you make the wrong decision... You're going to be frustrated, you're going to be angry, you're going to be full of regrets, maybe guilt. If you trust in God, you can ask his spirit to give you wisdom. Give you a piece of what you're doing is according to, to his will. That you're doing the right thing in his eyes, whatever the outcome may be. What about rejection? If you're afraid of rejection, what people think about you. Again, if you trust in yourself, that's really hard to deal with, isn't it? You'll try and do all you can to, to fit in and be accepted, not cause offence. But if you trust in God, he will reassure you that nothing can separate you from his love. You'll never be on your own. Jeremiah was in a tough position. He was, he was called by God to warn the people about their sin. But they just ignored him. He'd been imprisoned, beaten, had threats on his life. We see some of that here in verse 15. It says, they keep saying to me, where is the word of the Lord? Let it now be fulfilled. He's being mocked like Noah was before him. He's finding it hard to cope. But he's able to call out in verse 19 of the previous chapter. Look back at that. It says, Lord, my strength and my fortress, my refuge, in time of distress. So as we finish, how does God help us grow through our situations? Or by helping us put our trust in him and not in ourselves and making us aware when we are trusting in ourselves. Last week I asked you to go into the week um, trying to be more aware of what is going on around you, the heat, and looking at how you respond to those situations. I wonder what you discovered about your, yourself in that. One of the things we'll be doing during this series in home groups is giving people the chance to share stuff that's going on in your lives with another person. 
Um, as a church, we want to be a place where people can be honest about their struggles, not feel they have to give the impression that they've got everything sorted. We want to be those who listen to one another, who empathise with one another, and who point one another back to God and his wonderful promises for us. By the way, if you're not able to attend our home group at the moment, but would like somebody to meet with you, you can share with those struggles and pray for, do let us know. Temptation for some, when they hit tough times in life, is to, to run from God. But that's precisely the time we need to remain close to the spring of living water. Otherwise, it would be like leaving a spring and going off into the desert to die. Look back at those words again from 7 to 8. Blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. They will be like a tree planted by the water that send out its roots by the stream. It does not fear when heat comes. Its leaves are always green. It has no worries in the year of drought and never fails to bear fruit. Well, as we finish, let's just take a moment now to think of the heat of the past week and how you responded to it. Just ask yourself these questions. I'll leave them on the screen. Um, What did I think in that situation? What did I feel? What did I say? How did I say it? What did I do? Did I look to God? Did I turn to him? Or did I trust in myself? And did my response cause me to become more like Jesus or less like him? Let's just have some quiet to, I'll leave those questions on the screen, but reflect on those, pray about them. Just have a moment of quiet to do that personally. Father God, you know the state of our hearts. You know they're deceitful. You know they're incurable. But we praise you that as we turn to you, away from trusting in ourselves and trust in you, that we can be healed. Thank you that as we turn to you, we can experience streams of, of living water flowing through us. Thank you that as we turn to you, we do not need to fear the heat. We do not need to worry because you will reassure us. You will always be there for us. You will give us the strength to cope in those situations. We lift up those different situations that each one of us has just uh, reflected on just now. Some of those may carry on into this next week or even to months and years ahead. Some may just have in momentary situations. But Lord, help us to trust in you in those situations. Help us to respond to them in the way that Jesus would. And Lord, help us to grow through them in the way we respond to them as we trust in you. And as we do so, to reflect your glory to the world around us. In Jesus' name, amen.
Um, well, that brings us to the end of our time together this morning. Thank you so much for joining us and being with us. As I said, do spend some time catching up um, over tea and coffee. Uh, and maybe share some of these things that are going on in your life, some of those heat that are coming on that makes things difficult. And maybe we can spend some time praying together uh, and sharing that with each other after the service. Um, do as well join us this evening um, for our evening of prayer and praise. Um, it'll be here in the church. Um, and a great time again to spend time together praising the Lord together. But as we finish, let me read those words again from Jeremiah 17 uh, as we leave. But blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. They will be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream. It does not fear when heat comes. Its leaves are always green. It has no worries in a year of drought and never fails to bear fruit. Heavenly Father, we do thank you so much that you have given us a way to be free from our sin. Lord, that you know our hearts. Lord, that through Jesus, through his death on the cross, you have fixed that problem for us. Thank you that we have true freedom in you. Lord, help us now this week when we face trials, when that heat comes on us. Lord, to not trust in ourselves, not trust in man, but to trust in you to look to you, to not run from these things, but to embrace them, knowing that you will use them for our good. Not good as the world says, not prosperity, Lord, but good to make us more like Jesus. Help us now as we leave to think about that, to keep that fresh in our minds this week. So Lord, we thank you for this time together and we ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.